they fire me up. Like, just like <laughs> just talking about it. Just, just talking like, about it. Like, <laughs> like you can see it. I, like, they are so motivating. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Strive's How You Lead Matters podcast, where we discuss everything leadership. From tapping into your motivation to feeling yourself with grit, we're here to support you as you discover the character-driven leader in yourself and those around you. I'm Caroline Lettner. And I'm Jared Smith. Hi, Jared. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Caroline. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. We just had an awesome weekend. You got to sit in on some Strive facilitation, so mm-hmm. I'm still riding the high from that. Oh, yes, me too. You know, uh, I talked about it with my parents, and they were like, yeah, Jared, I'm glad you're having a great time back at Strive doing old things whatever, and I'm like, yeah, so it was a great time. You know, I had a lot of fun. It was awesome. There's some good video from it that'll be coming out soon, but I am stoked for our guest today. We have Gina Stefan on. I had the privilege of working with her when she was doing recruitment for Sports Challenge at Strive, and today she is crushing it as the field hockey coach at Bridgewater College. Yes, she currently has quite the record with an MS in psychology and an MA in sports administration. We're going to have a lot to chat about today. I definitely agree. Gina, we are so excited to have you on today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm truly honored to be asked. Um, I never really view myself as someone that has something to say. So this is going to be great. <laughs> you have a lot to say, and I'm so excited to hear it. And we will we'll get into that later, <laughs> like as to why you think you don't have a lot to say, because I think our listeners are going to disagree. So like I said, you are the head coach for field hockey at Bridgewater College. Can you tell us a little bit about your transition there? Because I know it wasn't a typical transition story. Yeah, um, this was my first season as a head coach, uh, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, And I was never, I wasn't always on this path. So um, kind of looking back to see my journey throughout um, getting to this career has been anything but linear. So um, I started out undergrad, I played four years at Brockport um, in field hockey and um, I was majoring in psychology then. And um, I did not have a good experience. Um, I had, I loved my teammates. I loved Brockport. Um, It gave me a great education. Um, But my experience as a student athlete um, was kind of traumatic. Um, So after graduating in my undergraduate degree, I really focused on psychology. I stayed there to get my master's because like any psychology student, you're like, you got to go on. Um, So got my master's in that because I really didn't know what else to do. Um, And then I got a job being a researcher at the University of Buffalo, where I was helping develop um, behavioral treatment programs for kids with ADHD um, and teaching the parents how to apply those. Um, And that was incredible. Um, But through that experience, I realized that I can't sit at a desk for eight hours doing research. Uh, it was really hard. Um, so um, in that, I started coaching club field hockey in my uh, area that I was living in. And I was starting to utilize the approach of the behavioral treatment program with coaching. 
And it was crazy seeing the results and how receptive these young kids and how much they grew in such a short amount of time. And that is extremely motivating. Um, and so I was like, how do I make this out of a career? Like this is, yeah. this is yeah. everything. Um, and so rewarding. Um, and utilizing all of the principles that we learned through our, like through our psychological education um, in, in um, those programs is so useful in this career. Um, and I mean, I still apply all of the things that I learned and I'm still learning um, about behavioral psychology, social psychology, um, all of those aspects to this profession. Um, and it's incredible kind of like the research driven process of this and how effective it is on people. Um, so I guess back to the story again, <laughs> tangent there. Um, it's but, good. Um, um, so so I quit my job. Um, I went back to school and got a master's in sports administration because again, I knew I wanted to be in sports, but I didn't know in what area. Um, and so I'm coaching club, coaching high school, a varsity team. And then I just start applying to assistant coaching positions because I thought that if I'm going to try and do this, I'm going to try and do it right now. Yeah. Um, and I had one interview and I had one acceptance and that's what landed me in Philadelphia at Haverford college as their, uh, part-time assistant. And in that I was right. <laughs> yeah, I, know, was I know you can't see me right now, but I'm like clapping, shaking my hands and everything. <laughs> Haverford doesn't usually get that much love. You know, my sister went there and every time I tell people about Haverford, they're like, Harvard and I'm like okay equally as impressive yes like Haverford is a great institution but not Harvard yes <laughs> as impressive wow starting off with gold early I try <laughs> yes absolutely and it's um again kind of like just crazy the journey that we're all on and how different parts of our lives like this was like a one in a, you know what I mean? Like I got one interview, I got one job offer and I landed there and it was the most amazing experience that I could have ever had. Um, it was the first time that I actually got to work like so closely with a coach that had such an immense impact. And I learned from, um, Jackie Cox so much and like, not just in the things that she did, but the empowerment that she gave me. I mean, like within a week of working with her, like she looked at me and was like, you're going to be an amazing head coach. And I like someone who like, doesn't believe in themselves, having someone else like believe in you so much. And she worked so hard for me as a head coach. And it's crazy that relationship that you build with someone who just believes in you so much. And pushes you to do more, pushes you to go out there, like wants me to do everything. And I am just so extremely grateful and thankful for Jackie and that opportunity that she gave me. Um, and I never wanted to leave. Um, it was such a great home. The players are incredible. Um, the support system that they have as a team. And that was my first experience of being in a really great um, collegiate environment. And so I knew it was possible. Um, and though there were things that like needed to change too, but like someone who was so open to making that change and hearing what I have to say as well, that reciprocal relationship, I just found to be so powerful. Um, and so that was really like the aha moment that I knew I was 
supposed to be where I am. Um, and then COVID hit. So Gina, what happened after COVID? You know, how was the coaching transition when you really can't see players and you can't really work with players one-on-one sometimes? Yeah, that was really, really challenging. Um, so I actually lost my position at Haverford. Um, they didn't ask any assistance to come back. And so I'm obviously at a panic because I don't have a job anymore, but not even that, but I'm losing time of experience. And so I think a lot of people in this, in this position knows how important it is to get kind of like pay your dues and get, get your years in. Um, and get that experience because it looks better for other job opportunities. And since this was a part-time job, I was looking for a full-time assistantship. So um, I was really scared. Um, and then, and then we talked to our athletes. Like once we knew in June that we wouldn't be having a season, um, we're all just like crying on this Zoom call because it's so devastating. These players are losing a season, if not a whole year, like we don't know anything yet. And so um, Jackie pivoted and then started doing more Zoom calls and Zoom sessions. And so that whole spring season that we would have had an outdoor, outdoor um, non-traditional, we just did Zoom calls. Um, we talked a lot about, about different aspects of the sport. We watched film, we did non-traditional things. Um, we would send each other practice clips, little different skill sessions, things like that, and kind of like make it into a challenge. Um, so it was really awesome to see kind of that creativity um, that our coach was making this into. Uh, and it was an awesome kind of pivot that she did. Um, for me, I saw my role as more of that supportive person. Um, so I started reaching out to my players individually of those who needed support. So like on these Zoom calls, you could literally see the people who were struggling really hard. I think that's like a side that we don't see is these players that are completely devastated and don't know where to go from here and don't really know what else to do. Like we need to support them even more. Um, so that's kind of the role that I took on throughout that time. Yeah, 100%. I think it's like, it sounds so, so impactful that the students just had you as an option to go to, because I think that like, no one knew how to respond to COVID appropriately. No one knew the impacts that it was going to have. Like, it, you can kind of try to picture it now because hindsight is twenty twenty. but like, we were all living in a moment when that first lockdown happened, that it was going to be two weeks and that everything was going to be good by Easter, you know, like, yeah. 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember celebrating new year's 2020 and being like, this is the year. How could it not be a great year? It's got 2020, like so amazing. And like, for me, like I, I had certain privileges that allowed me to just like, I was working from home and I was okay, but my mind was constantly with like student athletes, like you said, that were getting their seasons taken away, that were getting these like once in a lifetime experiences just gone, like off the radar, gone. And I, I can't begin to imagine that impact. So just so that I'm clear on the timeline. So you were with Haverford, COVID happened, no more assistant coaches at Haverford. So did you stay with the team just like kind of out of the goodness of your heart and help them out? 
Okay. And so then when did the transition to Bridgewater happen? So during, so throughout this, because I was part-time, I was actually only employed during the season. So any other time is voluntary. Um, so spring, even like if we were out at the turf, that would be a voluntary position for me. Um, so I was already voluntary. And so we went through our non-traditional season, just like um, being virtual the whole time. And then we found out in June that um, we wouldn't be having a season and that no assistant coaches were even allowed on the turf. So wow. that's where I, I wasn't, you know, like you're always looking for jobs as a collegiate coach. If like, you're not, if you know that this isn't a permanent role for you, mm -hmm. um, or if you want to kind of like build your career, um, especially as an assistant or a part-time assistant. So, um, I was kind of like, you know, like browsing jobs, but I was never really serious because I just loved Haverford so much and knew that I wanted another, at least another season, at least another year with them because I had so much more to learn from Jackie and the players. Um, so once they told me that no more assistants were um, being employed there, um, I started looking hard um, and really nothing was available. Um, so there were two full-time positions that got posted and Bridgewater was one of them. Um, within two weeks of applying, doing both interviews, um, I was offered the position and needed to be there in two weeks. So during that time, that gap, you know, I don't think, I think a lot of coaches, like you said, there's a lot of coaching positions and there's a lot of people, even more people vying for coaching positions. So what is that period like that little limbo period? Like what, what would you do for an athlete? Clearly they would prepare themselves, whether it be taking shots on goal or um, doing footwork drills as a coach, are you watching tape? Are you watching, like what, explain that downtime period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it was, it was definitely crazy. And I think that's why, like, I, I personally related to the athletes so much because I had lost something too. Like my, my position was gone as well. So I really felt everything that they were feeling. Um, and so what I did was immerse myself in other aspects of coaching, um, which is leadership development, like just like reading books, listening to podcasts. Um, I was also blessed because I was with Strive at the time. And again, like, you know, like your life makes so many twists and turns, but I genuinely feel like the process between this, like you're with the right people at the right time. And I was with Strive at the right time of this. And they were so gracious to still keep me on, but just again, like give me a different role. Um, so I was still soaking up everything they were doing, being exposed to all these different people that I could learn from. Um, and that's really what I did. Um, so just expanding my reach of like, what I can learn during this time. And then, yeah, like I'm going on a lot of, actually there were a lot of different coaching education opportunities in field hockey. Um, the field hockey Dartmouth coach is incredible. And he started his own, um, his own coaching education program uh, called Unique Sports. And so I did a couple of his sessions. Um, I also started doing private lessons. So just like a local turf, I would like, reach out to players that wanted to do individual coaching sessions. And I would have a couple of those a week, which was incredible. So I'm still getting to kind of flex and learn how to teach while still 
learning myself in other areas of um, the coaching role. Yeah, I was one of the things that you said there really rang true to me in terms of like, I jumped into the other aspects of coaching. And I think it's interesting that we still live in a world in which a lot of people view coaching as like just technical or just tactical and not all of the SEL skills, not all of the leadership development, like strives, tries to stay away from even referring to those as soft skills, because like, A, they're hard to develop. It is not easy to develop empathy. It is not easy to communicate well. We all are working on that constantly, but like, it's so comforting to know that there are coaches like you that are prioritizing that. And and I hope more so as we move into kind of this post COVID timing, I'm never sure what to call it, but into that, into this time that is the now, um, so when I think about leadership, I ask all of our listeners or all of our guests this, how do you define leadership when you were sitting down and reading those books? How do you define leadership? Yeah, I think it's really interesting seeing, you know, the view of others and what they think leadership is, because I think that if you would ask like student athletes, you would even get a different answer than, you know, as a student athlete too, like I thought leadership was different when I was um, when I was playing, then I do think it's now. Um, so it's really interesting, but I, I, I see leadership as more having an influence over a person or a group of people's thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. Alicia Garza, I, her book purpose of power is incredible. And I saw a lot of parallels to, you know, she is a leader, obviously, um, she's an incredible leader. Um, but she was defining, what organizing was. And I just related to that so much of, you know, what is that, what is that to leadership? And she said that organizing is about building relationships and using those relationships to accomplish together what we can't accomplish alone. And so like the mission and purpose of organizing is to build power. Um, She said, without power, we're unable to change conditions that hurt us. And a movement is successful when power is held by many. Got you, got you. Let me interject real quick and I ask a question of you. So Strive, you know, we like to hold people accountable. So I'm going to hold you accountable and ask you of a time when you've done the things that you're saying right now and organizing. When, when I came to Bridgewater, I was seeing a, a lot of similarities to the program that I was previously in um, as a student athlete. And so um when they promoted me to head coach, um, I wanted to change everything. And it really started from hearing my players out and what they wanted. Um, and like every, everyone, everyone wants to make a contribution. Like these are collegiate athletes. Like they're coming here for a reason because they love the sport and they want to be involved. Um, so what we did was have this big discussion about, you know, like, what are our values? You know, what's your individual value? What is my individual value? But where do we align in those values? So everyone wrote out their own value, um, their own core value. And then what we did was highlight all of the similarities. Mm. So we aligned in the core values of passion, trust, relationship, and respect. Um, And that was kind of what everyone overall really wanted us to behave and align with. Um, and so then we defined those values. Um, so we laid out what those values are like, um, and you know, how can we 
behave in a way that is true to our values. Um, so I think that that's important, again, like that organizing role, like yeah. we, we are what our group is. And so we don't know what our group is unless we ask our individual players what they want, like, like, who are you or who do you want to become? And I, I don't believe that like we find ourselves. I think that we create ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so like, who do we want to create? Who do we want to be? Um, and so our values are really important, but I also see values as kind of changing because we as people grow and develop every single day. Yeah. every single year. So like my values when I was 20 years old are not my values of what I am right now. And so I think that what we're going to do going forward is our values are going to change every year. So I, I'm really excited about this. Gina's giving out gold right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the part that I loved that you were talking about was like, all right, my core value is respect. Define that. What does that mean? Because we talk about this constantly, but like respect looks like very different things depending on how you were raised, who you were raised around so many different things. So there is a behavior that I could define as like drastically disrespectful that someone else is like, nah, this is like, this is just how I speak, or this is just how I interact with people. This is respect to me. Not that, not that stuff over there. We talk about eye contact. We talk about all of those things. And so having your players not only list out their core values, because I think players can kind of reiterate that they can kind of just say that, you know, everyone is going to say respect. Everyone is going to say that they want to be respected, et cetera. But when you push them that next step of like, what does that look like? What are actions behind respect that we can do? So that way, like Jared is saying, when we want to check off those goals, I know every practice that we were respectful because we left the field clean, because we didn't leave any of our stuff there, because everyone helped cleaning up. Like breaking it down into that much allows you to really know if you're living out your core values or not. So I love that like you came to the team and you gave them a voice. Because so frequently we have coaches that are like, all right, guys, like here are our core values. Here's what we're doing. Let's go. And kids are like, maybe I don't want to do that. <laughs> maybe I don't align with that. And like, you want to get their buy-in. The teacher in me tells me that like, sometimes you might have your end goal already defined and it is your job to help them feel like they got there with you. And that is also great. Like that counts too. But I just... I mean, your definition of leadership has so much in there. So for me, I know I have been a crit critic of coaches at times, both my own and others that I work with, but I think, I think I need some empathy because hearing all of the things that you are listing out, like that's a lot to do and also coach the technical piece of it and also like live your own life. Are there other things that you wish people knew about like the position of a head coach? Oh my gosh. I, I didn't even know everything. I like, I, um, one of, one of my peers who I respect wholly, I saw him at a tournament a couple of weeks ago and he was like, were you ready for this? And I was like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know if I'm ready for this right now. Like I, <laughs> it was so much to learn at once. Um, and even as an assistant, like, like I was a full-time assistant at Bridgewater and I didn't even know everything that went on um, or everything that I had to do, all of the administrative backward that I had to do, um, all these things that I have to set up, you know, like, I don't think people see a lot 
that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't even as an assistant. Um, but I also think that that's important too, of like, we all had our roles to play. And so now this is a different role. And that's, I, I honestly talk to my players about that a lot because we're going from kind of a hierarchy system, which is what the culture was before to a shared system where like no one is better than each other. Like these are just roles that we play. Yeah. So um, let me ask this question. What has been your most favorite moment? I can remember back at one time, um, we do like a play practice play model in our, in our sessions. So like we'll play a game that emphasizes a specific focus of the day. And then we'll go and do a drill that will help them achieve that like overarching principle. So like we have like principles of play of like our offensive principle is like get big. So like we'll play a game that kind of emphasizes that get big principle. And then we'll go into a drill that will specifically target like how we can do that. And then we'll look for that drill to be applied back to that game um, so that we're implementing it. And there was this, I remember specifically um, this player who, you know, was struggling in the beginning. And then she came to us and was like, what can I work on? Like, what can I do to get better? And we would notice that she would go and stay after practice and, you know, work on those fundamentals. Um, and, you know, we were like, we would love to see more energy. We would love to see more drive. Um, and we would love to see more like explosion. Um, coming off of your receptions, coming off of your passes, all of these things. Literally the next day she went out and did it. That's amazing. And those Obviously. moments are like, they fire me up. Like just like, <laughs> just talking about it. Just, just talking like, about it. Like, <laughs> like, can see it. I, like they are so motivating. And that's the part of being on a team, right? It's like, you get hyped for other people's wins and other people like doing the work. And that's what matters is like the effort that you put in is everything. So like she came out that day and I stopped practice because she did the drill in the game. And I was like, this, this is what it is. Like, this is incredible. And I think just like getting hype for your players too, about like the things that they're doing well matters so much. And so like, I have more of an even tone. Like I never yell at my athletes because I was always yelled at. And I mean, like not me specifically, but like our team was always yelled at. We were always punished for things. And I know where that can go. And maybe a certain teams that works for them, but I don't want that to be my spot, my style, because I know what can work in the opposite direction. So like, I try to take an even tone when I'm talking to them about like, they know when I'm mad, like they know when I'm upset, like, I don't need to scream to do that. I take more of an even tone. I bring them together and say, you're not playing at the level that, that we know that you can be at. We need to clean some things up. And how are you going to do that? What are you going to focus on right now to make this better? Thank you, Gina. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think you uh, mentioned a lot of great things, especially how you let the player problem solve. That's another tip that um, we went over in our coaches meeting on this past weekend was um, letting the players figure out what they need to do to improve and kind of asking that open-ended questions, as you said, like, how can we level you up? 
Like, what do you think you need to do rather than the player and then the coaches going to and say, hey, your first touch needs to be better or the way you receive the ball needs to be better. You let them think about it. And that way, you know, they feel invested in their own process of learning and developing as a player. So I really appreciate that from you and for the listeners. Not sure if you caught it, but here I just gave it to you. So, uh, <laughs> There's the golden nugget right there. <laughs> Another <Yeah>. nugget. <laughs> no, I think it's so beautiful because growth mindset, I feel like people still look at growth mindset as like a means to an end. And like growth mindset is not here. This is how you're going to get better. Growth mindset is here's how you're going to enjoy the process of getting better. Here's how you, because like we, this can be said about so many things, but like we have really lived in so many binary terms. And once you are able to get rid of that thinking, and once you are able to view everything as like a spectrum and a process of growth, life gets a lot more exciting and life gets a lot more like clear. Honestly, for me, that's been my experience because instead of being like, all right, am I good or am I bad as a player? It's I'm growing. I'm still on that path. I am still moving forward. And so it's so exciting. I I say this to a lot of our guests, but it's so exciting to hear people spreading that message and pushing their players to embrace the process of growth rather than thinking about either I'm good at this or I'm bad at this. Now, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. So Gina, do you have anything else you would like to share with our listeners before we close out? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I just love having these conversations because I, I think know. there's so many different things and aspects of, you know, what we do. And I have made so many mistakes um, and I'm still going to make mistakes. Um, and I'm learning so much and, um, I'm just trying to get better every day too. Um, and I think that's like the biggest thing is that, you know, as, as an athlete too, like I look at all, I self-reflect way too much, probably but <laughs> I maybe have too much self-awareness. You are in the process, but, You're in but the process. <laughs> I do have to remind myself that nothing happens overnight. Like I have to remind myself that every single day, because I, though I know, like I know, right. Like I can say it, I can say like, this is a process. It's going to take time, but I still get disappointed in myself and ask myself like, what did I do wrong in this situation? Like, why aren't we at this point where I want us to be at? And I have to learn to be kind to myself as well um, because I am my biggest critic. And um, I think that it's important to have that support system in your life too. That is like, you're surrounding yourself with people that support you and believe in you um, because we all are our worst critics. And so I really think that like having people in your life that see the best in you is really important. Yeah. I mean, Gina, I know that you have so many more incredible things to tell our listeners. So we will definitely be bugging you to come back on because despite your point at the beginning, you have a lot of important things to say. And I am sad that I have to cut you off here, but this was incredible. I appreciate you so much. We're going to throw your Instagram and social media handles so people can follow along with what your program is doing. And we wish you the best of luck as you continue on that process of growth. 
Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to be listening to all of your podcasts as well. I already have and taken a lot of notes because <laughs> there are definitely things that we can implement in our program as well of what, what the Strive podcast is doing. Oh. Yes, we would love to see your players comment. Please, please comment. And yes. share. We want to see the athletic department comment and share. We want to see that. Yeah, that would be all great. Right. We, we love got that. you. We got you. All right. Go Eagles, right? Is that Go Eagles? Yes. Go Eagles. Third gang. <laughs> Listen, as someone from Boston, that Go Eagles was very specifically for the Bridgewater College Eagles. No other <laughs> Eagles. I need to make that very clear. No, not. <laughs> right. Thank you, Gina. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. How You Lead Matters podcast comes out on a monthly basis. And if you are looking for more content, where should they look, Jared? You can follow us on all socials at How You Lead Matters or email us today to schedule your own Strive workshop. Talk to you next month. Peace.